sing that the girls part not me everybody <laughs> you are lord of lords you are king of kings mighty god lord of everything here you go all right all of us are going to sing on the that side okay okay we're going to sing on that side this is calling out the names of god who he is all right Let's do that together, but I'm going to slow it down just a little bit. Everybody, think about what we're doing tonight, okay? Let's get our hearts and our minds focused on who we are here to celebrate. Man, we are not here just to have a meeting, okay? We are here to hear what God has for us and go out and to make a difference in the lost world. You know what? Because I don't believe, Pastor, that Satan really gives a, a... He doesn't care at all about what we do in these four walls. I think it's when we step outside... And we start making a difference that I think is really when he gets not happy. So, let's sing to the Lord. Let's lift his name up. Let's do it slow. Here we go. One, two, three. You are the Lord of Lords. You are King of Kings. You are mighty God.
say this is a prayer as pastor comes you're my prince of peace my prince of peace and i will live my want to begin tonight obviously calling on the Lord and let me do something I, I normally don't do this but can I give y'all a prayer request from uh, me is that all right I would uh, ask you pray pray that the Lord would sell our house is that all right I know some of y'all are already doing that but uh I think it'd be better if all of you did and um <laughs> We're kind of in a weird situation right now. We're supposed to uh, close on a house at the end of this week in Lula, uh, where I've also learned to have to learn the language of Lula lights. But um, we're supposed to close on that house, but we've not sold our house in Powder Springs. So uh, if you can imagine, that would mean your pastor would have two houses. And that, that just doesn't seem godly by any stretch to me. So we really want to pray the Lord would get rid of that thing. and. And, and, you know, just to, just to let you know, man, it, things are going well. A lot of people want to know kind of my schedule, what I've been doing. Uh, we come up Saturday. Uh, we spend the night and Sunday I'll here all day. Chris and the kids are here uh, in the morning, but then they travel back home in the afternoon because Garrison gets up to go to school tomorrow. And um, anyway, then I typically leave Wednesday night after everything is over with to go back to the house. So you can imagine, man, I feel like every time I go home, I've got to reintroduce myself to my children. It's like, hello, my name's Levi. What is yours? But uh, anyway, so that, that can, can tend to put a stress on the family. So, man, I would just love if we could get rid of that house uh, tonight. <laughs> so, man, I, I really would. I'd ask if you don't mind praying uh, with me on that. And then also just remind you that tomorrow we have the opportunity to go out and, and uh, share the gospel with people, but also just brag on Jesus right there in the context of people's homes, people who've been with us. So let's do this. Can we get all our men? Ladies, you, you can just hang out where you are. Let's get our men down here at the altar, and uh, we'll say a word of prayer. Matter of fact, I'm going to get uh, Randy. Could you, you lead us in prayer, brother? Come on up here and grab a mic and, and pray for us. That would be great. Our dear Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, it's an honor to come before your throne. Lord, you have made a way for us to come to you, Lord. That is an amazing thing. Lord, you uh, sent your son to die on a cross for that very reason, that we could approach you, Lord, because of the blood of Jesus Christ who covers us and covers our sins. Lord, so we can come boldly. Lord, what an amazing thing. Humanity, so defeated and, Lord, so corrupt, but yet we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And, Lord, we do that tonight, Lord. We lift up our hearts, our mind, and our will before you. Bow low, Lord, in humility. And, Lord, we ask for you to, Lord, work in a special way, Lord, in the life of Levi and his family. Lord, we lift up this burden that he has uh, with the house there in Powder Springs, Lord. We know that, Lord, that you can work miracles, Lord, beyond anything that we can imagine or think, exceedingly abundantly, above all we can ask or think, Lord. And we're so thankful that uh, we can pull upon your riches and not our own. 
And Lord, we just pray that, uh, Lord, right now that you would already be preparing that family that's going to move in there. And Lord, free up this time because, Lord, I know from your word that uh, you've asked that your servants who, who under shepherd and lead have that time, Lord, to, uh, to pray and to be ready to edify the body, but also to be uh, the husband and, and, Lord, the father that they need to be. And, Lord, you would allow this time for him. Lord, just ease his mind in that area, Lord, so that uh, he will be able to hear all the things that your Holy Spirit is speaking to him. And, Lord, we lift up this body tonight. Lord, a, a local body, Lord, that uh, is the body of Christ. Lord, I, I pray we recognize you as the head. Lord, and that we would all come in unity, as your word tells us time and time again. Unity is the key to reaching other people, for they see a group of people who are in one mind and one accord. And Lord, that's what leads them to Christ, because they don't see that in this world. Lord, and we just pray that we look different from the world. Far too long has the church looked like the world. Lord, we know that you have a great blessing ahead for us. But Lord, we also know that you prepare us through times of testing. And Lord, I pray we're ready for that testing. Lord, that our roots will be deeper. Lord, that our hearts will be humbler. And Lord, that we would come to know you in your fullness in your love and we'll give you the glory for that's what you desire is for us to glorify you and to be more like Christ Lord I pray as we go out tomorrow night Lord that we go out with a heart wanting to win a lost world to you we can vote all the politicians in we want to we can go out and we can protest all we want to but Lord when in person people one at a time is what changes this world Lord, I just pray that you would be all over our church, Lord, that we would truly be the body of Christ. Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen. And as Randy was praying to you, or praying to the Lord tonight, uh, his sister went into uh, heart surgery last night. She got a brand new heart. Um, they called her yesterday afternoon and said, come to Vanderbilt Hospital. We've got a new heart for you. She had a heart transplant uh, starting at 10 o'clock last night and it ended at 6 o'clock this morning. And Randy just showed me a picture of her. She's just smiling. Uh, so she's already smiling 12 hours after that. And I know that's encouraging, man, to see your sister that way. And um, I don't preach right there. Light of the world, you came down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life 
Here we are tonight. Lord, we're singing this song. Here I am. Father, this is personal. And I pray that each one of us tonight can say, here I am. Here I am. Whatever you desire, here I am. Here I am to worship, to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. Lord, I pray that we can all say that. And we lift it up to you as a praise offering tonight. Lord, you know the attitude of our heart. I pray that you would work in this place so that we we can go out and make a difference in this world. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. We serve a great God, don't we, y'all? Amen, Pastor. Well, you've got your Bible with you tonight, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. We will continue our series entitled Proclaim tonight, and as I mentioned this morning, most likely we'll stick with that title uh, for a couple of chapters here as we make our way through 1 Peter verse by verse. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 13 through 17 will be our text tonight as we talk about proclaiming. So if you've got it there in front of you, if you'll stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. The Bible says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. And now, Lord, we submit ourselves voluntarily to the word of heaven tonight. And we ask in the name of Jesus that you would continue to shape us into the image of your Son. And God, even now, in the context of 1 Peter, we know the Bible says that there are those observing our behavior. And so, God, this makes a difference in how we live in society. And so, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, even the text we've seen tonight, we would understand its application and we'd appropriate it by your grace. Now speak clearly, and it's in the name of Christ that we pray, and everybody said, Amen. You can be seated. Good night. We've got a good crowd this evening, don't we? That was the question. We've got a good crowd tonight, don't we? That's awesome, man. I didn't realize how many of you were out there till just now. But let's begin tonight with the idea of proclaim. You know, as aliens who are members of God's church, our days are numbered, and we only have so much time to declare the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Believers should live in this world so that unbelievers will observe their godly lives and glorify God by coming to faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, the key phrase used by Peter to describe how you and I are to live godly lives in this world is the word submission. So everybody say submission. 
Now, the word submit is not a very popular word in our culture. No one wants to think that they should submit to anyone. It actually carries with it a defeated attitude in modern day. For some, it's viewed as a sissified response to another individual. But the world of mixed martial arts has the term submission used quite often to refer to someone who taps out. The opportunity, or rather I should say their opponent, may get them in a submissive hold and the pain is so unbearable that they give up and they tap their opponent, meaning I quit. Or so I'm told. I've not seen that. But often, I'm just kidding. But anyway, oftentimes when we hear we need to submit, we have the idea that we are giving up. We become doormats for people to walk on. But that's not the idea behind the term submit in the New Testament. The word speaks of a voluntary act of putting ourselves under the leadership or authority of another. It's the idea of accepting or yielding to another person. We see the term in verse 13 of our text tonight where Peter says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. But he also says it in verse 18. I know I'm not preaching that, but I just want you to see that terminology. He says in verse 18, servants, be submissive to your masters. I'm going to preach on that next week and can't wait. Chapter 3 in verse 1, he says, wives, be submissive to your husbands. So the principle is taught throughout the New Testament as well. James 4 and 7 teaches you and I that we are to submit ourselves to God. Ephesians 5.24 teaches that the New Testament church is to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Ephesians 5 and 21, it teaches that we are to submit to one another. So what is the big deal with submission? Well, submission to authority is the foundation of true biblical worship. Now let me make that statement again. I want you to get that into your heart. Submission to authority is the foundation for true biblical worship. In fact, when we teach our children to obey our authority, we are actually teaching them how to worship. As they learn to obey their parents' authority, they are learning how in the future to obey God's authority. Submission to God is worship. Now, those who cannot submit to earthly authority give evidence they are not submitting themselves to heavenly authority. See, as we submit ourselves to earthly authority, we are simultaneously giving glory to God. This, in turn, becomes a valuable witness to those who are without the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you may say tonight, what if the authority over you is terrible? I mean, what if your husband's mean? Or what if your boss is crooked, man? Well, then your submission will be an even greater witness for the Lord Jesus. It's easy to submit to friendly authority, but it takes spiritual stamina and guts to submit to mean authority. So for a moment tonight, let's talk about how we are to live as followers of Jesus in today's societal structure of authority. First, you and I must adopt the principle taught in verses 13 through 15, and here's the principle. Submission to authority is God's will. Notice your Bible again, verse 13. The scripture says, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. 
Now in verse 13, it's teaching you and I that we are to place ourselves under the leadership and authority of every human institution. The Bible teaches us in Romans 13 and verse 1 that every person is to be in submission to governing authorities. For there is no authority, listen, there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Now, no authority on earth has been established except by the sovereign hand of the Lord. Now, some people may say, well, wait a minute, preacher. What about heathen nations? What about uh, places like Iran, uh, Iraq, some other place, Pakistan? What about these heathen nations? Are you telling me that under God, these authorities have been established? Yeah. And I would go so far as to remind you of the Old Testament that God, in his sovereignty, chose to raise up heathen nations. And he did so to bring about discipline upon his own people. So God, indeed, is in sovereign control. Now, the, the idea of rebelling against human institution would therefore be a direct violation of Almighty God. Now, somebody says, well, why in the world would the Lord allow such things to happen? I've got no clue. I just know he's sovereign. He's the Lord, and I'm Levi. Y'all listening? That's what he does. You know, Job asked so many questions of the Lord and had so many, um, I guess I would describe them as internal issues with the sovereign plan of God over his life. And I love what the Lord says to him towards the end of the the book, he says, uh, Job, you see that alligator over there? Do you ever ask that alligator why he's doing what he's doing? The answer is, well, of course not. Why would we not bother an alligator? Because an alligator will chop your hand off, all right? So we allow the alligator to do whatever it pleases. God says, so if you don't mess with the alligator, why are you messing with me? <laughs> Y'all out there? But anyway, now there is an exception to the rule. The only exception to submission to human institution would be if you or I were being forced to submit to a rule which was outside the boundaries of God's divine word. For example, we go back to the Old Testament. Shadrach, Meshach, and the billy goat, they were commanded, I mean Abednego, I'm sorry, but they were commanded in Babylon to bow to a golden image of King Nebuchadnezzar in worship of the king. They were told to bow to the king or else they'd be thrown into a fiery furnace. Now, the Bible tells us that they refused to bow. That is, they rebelled against that institution of authority. Why did they do it? Because it violated God's divine moral law. For the Bible says, you shall have no other gods before me. For them to bow to that king in worship would have been idolatry. And so the Bible says they rebelled against that authority and that they were thrown into a fire. The Bible also teaches that the fire was seven times hotter than it had ever been before. So they were in the fiery furnace. And you can only imagine King Nebuchadnezzar would have dropped his goblet when he peered in to see an extra person in the fire. <laughs> it was one like the Son of Man, the Bible says. I believe it was a pre-incarnate picture of the Lord Jesus Christ just hanging out with them. 
And you and I, when we submit to God, listen, when you and I, and this is a good principle, I didn't think about this till just now, but when we submit to God, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus is right there with us. However, so long as the human institution does not force you to disobey God in their ruling, you and I are to submit to that authority. And Peter says you submit for the Lord's sake. Now, this puts forth the idea that you and I are instruments of God in society. Uh, therefore, we submit because we are God's instruments in society to every human institution. This means, children, if your mother or father tells you to do something, you do it. Teenagers, if your teacher at school or coach tells you to do something, you do it. Parents, if you're at work and your boss asks you to accomplish a certain task, you do it. But what if, you know, I don't respect my boss? You know, what if my teacher at school's got problems? Well, it doesn't matter. What if my authority is not a Christian? That doesn't matter either. As Christ followers and instruments of God in society, we are to submit to the position above us, even if we don't necessarily respect the person holding that position. Peter goes on to say, whether it's a king as the one in authority or the governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who are right. So Peter wanted to make sure that all authority was obeyed and there was no loophole for any Christian. And I can imagine Peter's probably thinking, you know, while he's right, and I can, I can see him now. They'd be saying, well, it's only a governor who said we had to pay our taxes. I didn't hear that from the mouth of the king. You know, I found that we are always quick to justify our rebellion. You know, I remember a time in college we had someone come in and teach the class who was not a regular teacher. In fact, he was a guy working on his doctorate degree. And at the end of the class, he assigned some homework. And I remember thinking to myself, is this guy joking, giving us homework? I'm not doing that mess. I'm not working on that unless I hear it directly from the teacher of the class. I'm not going to do the homework. Uh, what was that? Well, simply put, it was rebellion in my heart. The substitute teacher represented the teacher. So when the sub gave homework, I should have obeyed for the Lord's sake. And just to let you know, my grade did suffer. Now, Peter continues his command to submit to authority because God's design is that the authority would be instruments of his justice in the world. I remember when I was studying this, uh, in my mind, I had a picture of the blue lights of a car pulling up behind me. You know, I thought, the cops are there to punish us when we go over the speed limit. Now, I've received some speeding tickets. How many is none of your business? But I am shocked after reading this text of Scripture that no police car has ever pulled me over to praise me for doing what was right. Not one of them has ever knocked on my window and said, I just wanted to know how much I appreciate you, man. Speed limit's 45 and you are right on it. Keep up the good driving. Now, there's some policemen in here. You slip a hand up. I'll look out for you. God bless you. I was looking for you, buddy. I'll be looking for that pullover. So, can I just, and this is, my mind's going backwards now. Let, let me go back to one statement. I, I'm just saying this because we've got so many students sitting up here in the front. Uh, when you obey your teachers at school, you are a shining witness for Jesus Christ. But when you sit back in the classroom and you rebel against them like everybody else is, you are absolutely ruining your ability to share the good news of the gospel. 
And, and ladies and gentlemen, you do the same thing when you rebel against your boss at work. When he asks you to do something and you get out there and gripe and complain about it with other coworkers, you are losing your witness every time. But we do it with a smile. <laughs> I said we do it with a smile. And God blesses that and he uses it. So why do we submit to authority? Well, verse 15 the Bible says, for such is the will of God, that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. You see, as we obey authority, God is greatly pleased and honored. Now, bottom line, during these days when Peter was writing, there were many rumors about these Christians being passed around. You see, Nero had a great desire to build Rome when he was landlocked. So he decided to torch half of the city so he could start over. The only problem is that half of the city didn't like it. I'm assuming it's the half that got burnt down. Y'all all right? So Nero, in a political move, had to do something because the blame was almost about to be on him, so he started blaming the Christians. So these new Christians were considered to be troublemakers. They were considered to be haters of government and completely against authority. Now Peter says, do what is right, and their rumors and their false accusations and their plain ignorance will be silenced. And the word for silence is the same word for muzzled. When we obey authority, we put a muzzle on those who falsely condemn us in society. And remember, this is all in the context of being observed, as the Bible says, by those who do not know the Lord. So we see submission to authority is submission to God's will. And when you and I submit to authority, I want you to listen to this closely. When we submit to authority, God in his grace is building a platform so that you can stand upon it and share the good news of who Jesus Christ is. Whenever we rebel against authority, listen, we are turning our backs on the very platform that God's trying to construct that we might be strong witnesses in society. So submission to authority, submission to God's will. Now Peter moves on to expound, seeking to answer uh, really a question. And the question will be, how should we live in society? So in rapid fire staccato fashion, he states in verse 16 through 17, act as free men, don't use your freedom as a covering for evil, use it as bond slaves of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the king. Now with these in mind, let's just unpack some of his statements and get a quick word of application. So we'll just go one phrase at a time. The first phrase is, act as free men. Now, why in the world was Peter saying, act like free men? Remember, contextually, he was speaking primarily about the king and the government. So he says, submit to them, but act as free men. The freedom that Peter highlights here is not political freedom, but rather spiritual freedom. The believer has been set free from the bondage and shackles of sin. Thus, he is to live like it, by submitting to God's authoritative structure placed over him in society. So we're to act as free men. And you can imagine, as soon as they came to faith in Jesus, some of them were thinking, well, does that mean now God is our king, so we don't have to pay attention to this over here? Peter said, no, no, don't act like that. You are indeed free from your old king, which was sin, but now you've got a new king who is God, and he sovereignly put all of these systems in place, and you submit to them, God builds a platform so you can shine like the sun. The second phrase, do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. It speaks to the fact that a person is not to use their spiritual freedom as an excuse to sin. Peter says, don't say, well, I'm free now, so here's what I'm going to do and here's what I'm not going to do. In fact, he says, don't use your freedom to conceal 
or to hide your true purpose, to commit sin, cause difficulties, and stir up hatred feelings. So some people would say, well, I'm free in Christ, so I can live however I like to. Uh, that is wrong. Peter says, the next phrase, use it, speaking of your freedom, as bond slaves to God. So we are freed from our sins so that we can live as bond slaves to the Lord. That literally means we are to live as subservient people to God. So you can't say, well, if I'm free from my sin and can't be condemned to hell for it, I guess it doesn't really matter if I obey what my boss says or what the president says or what my teacher in school says. Well, that is dead wrong. You are now free, but not to live as you please. You are now freed up to please God for the rest of your lives. Listen, every single person in life is bound by something. Everybody in here, some of you, you don't know Jesus, so you are still bound up in the shackles of your own sin. But as soon as you gave up your sin, you were free from that, and you came to faith in Christ. Now you are chained to the Son of God. So we now are no longer slaves to sin, but we are slaves of our master who is the Lord. And we obey him. Now, as Peter continues to fire off these short statements, it seems as if he is highlighting how we live as bond slaves of God. He said, okay, now you are shackled to the Lord, so to speak. And by the way, that's a good place to be shackled. Uh, and just to let you know, it's pretty interesting. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that your salvation is shackled to the throne of God. So my salvation is shackled to the throne of God, and I am shackled myself to the Lord. <laughs> That's just a sweet statement. But the Bible says, honor all people. Now, the term honor means to set a value upon someone or something. You know, before you put a house on the market, and I know this, but... Um, you typically have the real estate agent. Y'all can tell what I'm thinking about while I'm studying, can't you? What about that house? But anyway, so um, you typically have a real estate agent help you set the value for your house. They give what's called an estimate. Peter says, set a value upon all people. Consider them to be valuable based upon the fact that they were created in the image of God. Honor them because Jesus shed his blood for them. Somebody says, well, I don't like our president's stand on this or that. That's fine but you still honor him. The Bible says you still pray for him. You still give value to him and all people for that matter because of who they are and because of who you are. I can tell y'all like this sermon. <laughs> you, you know, the Lord Jesus, they tried to trick him one time. They brought to him a coin and said, uh, uh, what should we do with this coin here? What, what do, should we give this over to Caesar? What should we do with it? Should we pay our taxes? What should we do? Uh, Jesus said, uh, and this is, I like the way he says it. He says, um, whose inscription's on there? So they looked at it. Well, that's the king. That is Caesar. Here's what he says. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But then he makes this statement. But give to the Lord what is the Lord's. On the inscription of the coin was Caesar, but on the inscription of you is God. So Jesus, in one short sentence, basically said, you're created in the image of God, you ought to give yourself to him. <laughs> Let Caesar have that coin. Good grief. I can imagine Jesus going, Let, I mean, the streets are paved with gold where I'm from. You worried about that stinking coin. Goodness. 
That was my sanctified imagination. I don't have a verse <laughs> for that. Let me give you these other few statements here. Love the brotherhood. As we live in this society, we need to take great strides to unconditionally love the brotherhood. The brotherhood speaks of the fellowship of believers. We should prioritize a genuine love for the fellowship of the brethren uh, and the sisters in the body of Christ. And then the Bible says, fear God. The term fear means to be afraid and driven to worship. Uh, should you and I be afraid of God? Well, in one sense, yeah, we ought to be afraid of him. We should fear the consequences of disobedience. Is my son afraid I'm going to spank him if he misbehaves? You better believe it. However, he is not afraid to be around me. Although he knows I'll spank him, when I show up to the house, he comes running for me. Does he fear me? Yep. But the fear is turned to love. Hey, will the Lord spank you if you're disobedient? He sure will. But we still run into his presence. So we fear the Lord. And then the last statement is honor the king. And then I'm going to give you a few more statements and close this puppy out. But honor the king. This had to be a hard pill to swallow for the Jewish Christians who had faced great persecution from the hand of Nero the king. However, they were to estimate even him to be worthy of respect, for even he was created in the image of God. And although they may not be able to respect the person, they indeed could respect the position, and as a result, show their ultimate honor for the one who created the position, which was God. Adrian Rogers has a phenomenal study out called Kingdom Authority. And, uh, in that book, uh, he makes a statement that's stuck with me for now at least five or six years since I did it. And I just wrote this from memory, but uh, listen, you can't be over those things that are under you until you are under those things that are over you. And let me give you these couple of statements here. Uh, submission to God's authoritative structure on earth points to our commitment to Christ Jesus as Lord. When, and th this is just good. When you and I submit to the authoritative structure that God has placed upon us and over us, listen, you know what it does? In your submission, it actually frees you up to worship the Lord. But if you rebel against the authoritative structure God's put up, you know what it does? It chains you to the floor and keeps you from being able to worship. So somebody comes to church, well, bless God, I don't get anything out of that, you know. I never worshiped. You know, I remember I used to worship the Lord. I used to have a heart for that. Just something in me, just not there anymore. Um, are you submitting to the authority God's placed over you? Are you in rebellion against your boss at work, your husband at home, your parents at home? You ever thought maybe your rebellion has actually put more strain upon you than if you would just submit, lay yourself out, and God would free you up to worship the Lord. <laughs> Submission to God's authoritative structure frees us to energetically, energetically proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I find it amazing that in the context of Peter saying, proclaim this, but make sure you submit 
Because if you don't submit, people are watching you. And if you're not submitting, your proclamation will be muted. I love the Bible. It's wild, isn't it? Who would ever thought I'd be preaching on submission to kings and whatnot? It's all there. Let's pray. Father, thank you.